Welcome to In China with Michelle Zhou. Manufacturers have long known China to be a leader in their industry, but now the world is recognizing China as a business center for companies, market traders, education, and artists. It's no wonder that the economy has grown to be the world's second largest. In our program, you'll learn from the thought leaders and professionals who have lived in both the U.S. and China and continue to do business there. Now, here is your host, Michelle Zhou. Welcome, everyone. It's so great having you all here today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm your host, Michelle. I'm the founder and the CEO of Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. We help American and Chinese organizations learn from each other, bridge their needs, and grow their businesses internationally. You can contact me at our company website, ptcgconsulting.com. Make sure to click on the links. In my show link, or email me at michelle.zou at ptcgconsulting.com. I always welcome you connect me on LinkedIn. Today we have a wonderful guest, Dr. Ting Ting Zhang, on the show together with me, and we are going to talk about how to navigate the healthcare industry in China. So, Ting Ting, so glad to have you here today, and you are calling from Shenzhen、uh, in China. I appreciate. It's early morning for you. Thank you for having me on the show. It's not that early. We get up quite early every day. <laughs> I know you are a, such an entrepreneur. Your day is like working. I don't know how many hours, but、uh, from what I know about you, I think、uh, at least fourteen,、uh, sixteen hours a day, and it's been a couple of years. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, I came back to China in 2015, and、uh, Shenzhen is a very vibrant and lively city. And、uh, working overtime is quite a norm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's very fast paced. Yeah, I remember we met first time. That was back in Seattle, and you were working for a research or drug company. <laughs> Tell us a little <laughs> bit about your background as a starting.、Yes. Thank you. I left China、uh, back in the early '90s to、uh, study in Columbia University for my PhD in cancer biology, and then I, in 2001, I joined Lawrence Berkeley National Lab and worked on essentially、uh, genomics and system biology, <laughs> and uh, uh, won a DARPA special commendation for my effort in an anti-terror project, anti-bioterror project. And then I joined、uh, Roche Palo Alto and、uh, a drug company, mostly、uh, working on decision support and、uh, data analytics for autoimmune infectious respiratory and、uh, diseases,、uh, respiratory diseases and cancer. <laughs> so it's been quite a, a change from a drug research to healthcare, and that was prompted by understanding of the Chinese market. Especially the、uh, epidemic of、uh, cancer, which is why I、uh, left the U.S. and came back to China. Wow, you know, you throw in so many、uh, words that I am not very familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> this is you know a lot of jargon here. <laughs> But,、uh, yeah, in general, yeah. So you studied,、um, you know, PhD in cancer-related、uh, cancer biology. Is that what you yes. said? Yes. <laughs> and you have been doing drug research type of work in the U.S. Then 
you decided to come back to China because you saw the market opportunity, I assume, from what I understood <laughs> so far. But what exactly triggered you came back in 2015, you said that's the time. And you came back, uh, you didn't join a big, uh, uh, large existing research center. You kind of were doing a startup in yes. Shenzhen, right? Yeah. Tell us yes. a little bit more about the story. What was it really made that Big decision, a huge transition from U.S. back to China and jumping into this startup. Maybe it's your one of the founder, right? Uh, yes, I think a personal journey uh, for me. My father passed away and uh, due to pancreatic cancer during my freshman year in college. So as a relative of a cancer patient, I feel the pain and the loss that was quite acute and we were quite helpless during the treatment process. And uh, which is why I decided to study in cancer biology for my PhD. I was working for Roche Palo Alto. I got a request from Roche Shanghai to uh, run a analysis for a cancer type in US that has very limited market. But we found out that in China, there's a huge, almost 20 times as many people are suffering from this disease. So, 20 uh, times. Wow, my gosh. Yeah. Because in China, a lot of these prevention efforts has not been well accepted as well as U.S. and Europe. And uh, which is why I see the need for providing coordinate care for cancer patients in China. Right now, the predicted new cancer cases in China are about uh, 4.3 million per year. And uh, I think in all uh, cancer survivors are estimated between 13 million to 15 million in this country. And uh, Okay, uh, hold on, hold on. Let me just uh, try to get my head around. So you said in China, yeah, you did some research and you saw the huge number of patients in China suffering from cancer, 20 times more than the U.S., that's one. And you also mentioned a very critical number. You said every year new cancer patients being diagnosed as cancer you said 4.3 million every... Yes. That's new. Wow. Yeah. And uh, you also mentioned, the third number you mentioned, the 13 to 14 million. Is that, uh, you, you mean, that's the survivals? I, I'm a little bit uh, disconnected uh, here. Help me to understand. Is that uh, accumulated through all these accumulated. years? Uh-huh. Yes, accumulated cancer survivors, yes. That's the, of what base? Is that like a 20% survival or... or it depends. Yeah. It depends. We count five years survivals, and uh, there are certain cancer that in China that patients are receiving as good uh, treatment as in the U.S. And then there are certain cancer types. The prognosis, what we consider the survivor aspects, are not very bright. So, in all, accumulate survival of this number. Do you have a percentage? Of a base of patients, then what percent got to live for some time? <laughs> well, it depends on the cancer type. A breast cancer, you know, have very good survival rate, and uh, colon cancer as well. Uh, you know, if diagnosed early, and uh, for 
other cancer types, uh, especially certain digestive, you know, liver cancer, the survival aspect is not as good as breast cancer. Yeah, liver cancer. I had a relative. He passed away when he was a little bit short of 50 years old, very young. And when he was diagnosed with liver cancer, that was like within six months. I was very sad, very much a big surprise to us. So, okay, what I heard from you is you compare the U.S. and China markets and uh, you noticed from just from a cancer patient standpoint, China is such a bigger market because we have big population. Second is because the treatment or those methodologies, some of them are not as good as in the U.S. Yes, it's because the cancer spectrum is different from uh, U.S., I think what we consider the cancer spectrum in U.S., what we call the rich countries, cancer types. And in China, we have a lot of a lot more gastric cancer, liver cancer, which is they're not very high numbers in, in the states. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, in general, Asian countries have a different spectrum than the states. Sometimes it's because infections such as, you know, HB, hepatitis B infection, you know, which is correlate with liver cancer is a lot more prevalent in some Asian countries. Mm. So uh, you came back, what exactly was the goal or was the plan that you jumped into this? I know that you saw the opportunities, but it's so wide range, uh, so broad. Then what exactly you guys are doing here? Uh, so I actually hired myself by going to uh, Singapore first. <laughs> I joined Lily Singapore because previously in Roche, I was working mostly in the immunology aspects and uh, infectious disease a- aspects. So I worked in Lily Singapore, mostly working on their translational analytics, essentially helping the drug development team to find the right patient for these, to try these drugs in the clinic. And uh, that actually uh, helped me transition into this cancer, this healthcare industry, uh, because I get to connect with a lot of clinicians during the process. At the same time, what I realized was that when I was working drug companies, choosing the right patient for the drug, I also can apply the same methodology to help patients to choose the right drugs for their therapies. Mm-hmm. Totally makes sense to me. <laughs> Somebody who knows nothing about all these uh, cancer stuff. <laughs> Yes. So uh, in 2015, we received uh, funding from a traditional Chinese medicine enterprise, which is also very uh, good at distribution of medicine. Doesn't and uh, in China, Kame Pharmaceuticals they invested in my project, which is I call the Cancer Therapy Management and Services. And uh, I came back to China to create a platform for record <laughs> record collection and uh, computer interpretable guidelines and and, uh, to coordinate service for both clinical research and uh, patient services. Okay, so it's cancer therapy management services. Yes. 
Mm. Why a cancer therapy management service? Because I think you mentioned people suffering from cancer. Then why is the therapy management? And because when we analyzing the market, there overall and the close to twenty thousand oncologists, mostly in these major hospitals in the biggest cities, and the patient tends to flock to these large tertiary hospitals, and、uh, it's always crowded, and、uh, the doctor. May have fifty consultations in a morning or afternoon, and they barely have time to talk to the patient, let to follow up.、Uh, so a lot of these patients are like I experienced when my father passed away, are quite helpless. So my goal is to create a a care coordination service based on the guideline, the guiding principles that computer can provide to facilitate and make this process more efficient. And so with that, what would happen, or what's the expected results or impact on the patient or their family? I want to be able to guide them through the process of diagnosis. Treatment and survival to、uh, help them find the right doctor quickly to manage their treatment side effects better, and to catch their cancer recurrence earlier. Okay, so my understanding is with the platform and service your startup is doing, then the patients, cancer patients, would have a better follow up or after the hospital's kind of treatment,、uh, so they can manage better and、uh, they would、uh, survive. Their survival rate might go up, and、uh, yes. family or their life of quality would be better.、Okay. Quality of life is better, and families may know what to do. <laughs> yeah, less stressful. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. Wow, that's quite a big goal. And、uh, you have a dream. You come back to China. You want to save people's life. <laughs> At least make their life easier. <laughs> yes, make their life easier. Okay, we are going to take a very quick break, and after that, I would like to hear more about your personal story of doing the startup. How does the life look like working in a startup in China, and especially in Shenzhen, which is a really, really fast-paced and a young city? Okay, we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China, with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. In your business, are you on top of your PR game? PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public, listen for the brand ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. 
focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. Now we're back. We are talking about the healthcare industry in China and uh, Dr. Tingting Zhang returned to China, I think it's in 2015, to start her company with a dream of saving the life or making cancer patients' life have a better quality Easy. and a higher survival rate. So Tingting, I am really curious about your startup life in China. It's very different than your previous work in the U.S. or in Singapore or in any other countries uh, where you work in big prestige companies, well-known research centers. Now you came back to China and you start from the very scratch, starting a company. And uh, I believe you bring in your expertise, your know-how here. So tell us a little bit about uh, how, you know, when you come back, uh, how did it look like and uh, what you guys have been doing? I think the advantage of coming back to China <laughs> was that well, we realized there are a lot of empty spaces in this industry. And when I was uh, researching about this project in U.S., we realized a lot of these efforts we are trying to do are going to get into the way with the insurance companies. A lot of these are done internally in insurance companies. Some of these work are done in hospitals. As a PhD, <laughs> I don't have a medical degree and and there's a limited opportunity for me in U.S. But in China, when I came back to China, I realized the commercial insurance sector in healthcare has a very limited market share. And most people still pay out of pocket for their treatment with the better nationalized healthcare services. And the government are feeling a strain from the cost of medical expenses, mostly around, I think, 20% are incurred by cancer treatment. 
So uh, we see not only a need from the patient side, and we also see the need from the the payer side to help make this process better. Mm-hmm. The insurance industry, medical insurance industry in China is very new. It was, uh, I think, like 20 years or I don't know what exactly the number, but when I was in China many years ago, it's somehow covered by the company or by some other things or people just pay out of their own pockets. So what you said is the insurance company's influence national. is the national insurance company. Uh-huh. National insurance, the, almost the NHS kind, as in UK, they have very strong in- Influence. They actually regulate the price. So mm. the pricing of the medical service are a lot of times, especially in the tertiary hospitals, are decided by the provincial government. They, you actually can look up the price list for each procedure that's to be received. So that's quite different from the states. That oh, that's actually, very transparent. Very transparent. <laughs> yeah, the price is uh, settled by the government. <laughs> yes. And uh, so that's the benefit, you know, looking at the cost side. Uh, when I came back to China, also uh, found very good was that in Shenzhen, we already have a lot of skilled IT professionals who are already trained by the outsourcing companies for IBMs or you know Microsoft etc they have uh, very good ethics and uh, very hardworking and uh, they really put passion in their effort so which is why we were able to develop the platform in almost I think in half a year and we rolled out mobile product in another six months so within a year, we rolled out a mobile products in, I think, in ASCO. So what is yeah. the product? Uh, <laughs> we call it anti-cancer 365. But as in China, we call it but we had cancer in a Chinese character, cancer in the name. But we got feedback from the, the relatives of these cancer patients saying that we want to change naming. We do not want the cancer app on our mobile phone. Because in China, almost half of cancer patients are in the dark. They don't can- know they have cancer. It's the relatives, uh, their family know. Oh, I see. Yes. Uh-huh. So which is, you know, it's quite different from what we planned. Uh, we started, we originally uh, geared this as a patient engagement, you know, like having patient managed. In the end, we found a high percentage of uh, the user of our service are actually the relatives and family of patients. I see. Okay, anti-cancer 365. And right. you guys have a mobile app on the phone so they can manage their or the family <laughs> manage the patient their treatment yeah and you provide service for them okay mm. so you said it's only within one year you guys developed the whole product and launched it or tested it in the market we signed the uh, collaboration agreement with the lymphoma department of beijing cancer hospital and they're the top 10 cancer hospital one of the top 10 cancer hospitals in China. And uh, the, the oncologists agree to offer consultation for patients if they have major questions that they need to consult. And uh, we also have what we call a virtual case management team. Essentially, we have nurses and doctors 
on our staff to be able to uh, quickly take a look at the record the patient or their family uploaded into our system and uh, quickly give them advices if their own treating uh, oncologists are not within reach. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah, just and, thinking about it, it's, it sounds like it's a pretty flex, complex system. You have all these different uh, parts connected through the platform, connecting the information as well as connecting the different parts, service providers, uh, doctors, yes. uh, patients, family, <laughs> and, and your company. Uh, yeah, diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Wow. So... Uh, Diagnosis as well as imaging uh, services. <laughs> so uh, we're connecting both the, what we call the service providers, the physicians, as well as, you know, the, all the third-party service providers. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about uh, your personal life. What I'm trying to see is uh, trying to get a sense of like uh, how hard uh, it is uh, by doing, <laughs> jumping into startups and uh, running <laughs> things from scratch, establishing your team. Uh, how big is the company now, by the way? We have almost uh, 400 people now. 400 uh, we, people we in were, two years? Yeah, yes. Uh, we were able to have a 100 people team within, I think, six months. Oh, gosh. That's big. Yes, That's- <laughs> because, you know, the, the talents <laughs> are here. So it's you know, within Shenzhen, it's easier to find IT professionals. We have designers, designers, as well as, you know, oncologists on staff to help us guide this process, which would be very, very expensive in the States. Okay, that's a good um, news. Well, I just want our audience know, if you want to do your startup and it's technology-based, then China, and especially Shenzhen, is a great place to start. Tingting yes. <laughs> was able to hire 100 IT professionals within six months. <laughs> and they're high quality, right? Good quality. Mm-hmm. Very, very dedicated and professional. And, you know, as I said, someone who came out of the outsourcing companies for IBM. Someone actually, one of my tech manager is from, used to work at IBM China. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how's and your own life look like? Besides it's what, a lot of catching up. <laughs> it's a lot of catching up. Because as you see, like uh, my plan had to adapt to the local environment. When I first, doctors already told me, well, you can't tell the patient that they have cancer because you might be sued by the families. <laughs> so, okay. so that's, uh, and then when we were looking for nutritionists and, uh, you know, nutritionists and physical therapists for the cancer patients, and uh, we realized it's a blank, almost a blank space. A lot of these nutrients only available within the cancer hospitals. It's in very high demand. And then we realized, well, a lot of these cancer Chinese cancer patients are not going to the nutritionist for their nutritional support. They are going to the traditional Chinese medicine doctors which is, you know, a profession exists in China and for their, you know, recovery and uh, recuperation. 
So, okay, that's interesting. I heard from you another great market opportunity. China is very in need of nutritionists. But on the other side, because a nutritionist is not a, a something, a professional, first, it's very, not very well known in China. And second is people, you know, probably don't go to them if they really in need of this mm-hmm. type of support. They go to the Chinese medicine doctors. Interesting. Right. Well. Right. Something, so we actually another changed. another blue sea in China to create a market. Yeah, we are now having provincial Chinese medicine hospital. Uh, we have some of their top doctors on our platform to offer consultation. So uh, they are investor Kangmei Pharmaceuticals. Uh, have a smart pharmacy platform so they can essentially prescribe you know prescribe almost like a recipe of things to drink and this prescription will be sent to this central pharmacy and uh, all the herbs will be collected and uh, and they will be cooked into these drinks based on the (laughs) direction and they will be shipped to the physician's door I think within 24 hours in cold packages now so it's it's like personalized (laughs) personalized nutrition packet or or Chinese herbal medicine packet so uh, yeah with in China in the past the logistic industry has developed so quickly and the and the online financial transaction has been so well developed that this kind of patient can just see the doctor and they just go home and collect these drink packets for their treatments. Wow, that's so different than the US. Yes. <laughs> Okay, I think that's a great topic to talk about after our next break, because I really want to get some thoughts and suggestions from you. If you are thinking about the China market, the healthcare in a wider sense. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. 
Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, we are back. This is In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm talking to Dr. Tingting Zhang about the healthcare industry in China. Before we took the break, I think uh, Tingting mentioned some of the differences that she has experienced in the China market versus uh, the markets she's very familiar with, which is the U.S. So I want to dig a little bit more into this and maybe from a step thinking about other, no matter it's investors or professionals or companies that are thinking about this big China uh, healthcare market. Uh, if they want to capture the opportunities, uh, what can they learn from you in terms of uh, what are the things that they must know, and especially what are the things they should watch out for? Thank you. You asked earlier about you know what are the how do I spend a lot of my time? I actually spend a lot of time uh, watching news and reading news, especially about the policy changes of the industry. In the past two years, there are a lot of new regulations coming out, changing the landscape of how mobile health are deployed in China. And also, we see a shift of the industry focuses from production and making products to providing services, which is you know why we actually adapt to this change and uh, bring technology improvement to help with job creation and revenue uh, generation, especially in the service sector. So now we are not only, I think in one year we rolled out the project, then we worked with the the oncologist closely to listen to needs and streamline the care process. And a lot of these efforts we focus on are improving efficiency 
mm-hmm. there's a reason why we are doing that. As you know, I came from a background of you know decision analytics and data analytics, but as a American citizen, and I actually have to be very careful about what kind of data I can work on and what kind of information I can share. You mentioned as a foreign citizen, a non-Chinese citizen, you need to be careful on what kind of data information you are working on or sharing. Right, right. Okay. Uh, a lot of these, uh, some of these uh, genomics and healthcare, you know, epidemics data, which are you know easily published by U.S. government, a lot of these are considered state secrets here in China. So you have to be <laughs> very careful. <laughs> with so the data not... classification is different in China versus in the U.S., and we yes. should not just. Uh, you know, because we are doing this, uh, publishing this type of data in the U.S., so we think it's it's something we can do in China. So we need to first check the policy, the regulation, uh, before right. we can take those type of uh, actions. Just be right. be careful, watch out for all these uh, different, uh, you know, uh, regulations, uh, policies. Yeah. Okay. That's a great advice. (laughs) (laughs) And also, it's better to collaborate with uh, state-owned companies because normally they are the ones in charge of as the almost safekeeper of some of these information. And uh, I think it's better for us to work as someone who can help to improve the process to make things work more efficiently than, you know, trying to look into what's going on. Okay, you mentioned something state-owned companies. I think maybe many of the listeners do not understand what this means. And are you talking about the the drug company or the healthcare providers or the hospitals? Can you give us a, go a little bit more on this one? Give us the very basic understanding of the industry structure in China. So people yes. get a whole um, picture of what you're talking about. <laughs> Well, in China, there are some companies that are state-owned, and most of the major hospitals are state-owned by the state. They are considered public hospitals. They have a certain structure. The top ones are the tertiary ones. I think tertiary ones, and then a low-level secondary ones, that's like about four times of the tertiary ones. And then in the ground level, we have the clinics. So we work mostly with the top tertiary hospitals and then connecting with, connecting them with the secondary hospitals to coordinate care for the cancer patients because the tertiary hospitals has a certain mission that make their staff almost work very overworked. So they want to lower some of the burden to the secondary hospitals in the county or township city level. So mm-hmm. this is what we are working closely with them. The other important well, uh, thing what, what is actually... Here? Can I ask another question here? Because um, uh-huh. I think it's a very different uh, situation in China and the U.S. Uh, in the U.S., when we got sick, we go to see our family doctors. And in China, yeah. when I was in China, lived there, uh, even just a couple of years ago when I came back uh, working in China, it's still that when people have any, you know, even just got a flu or some small right. things, got a fever, they went, uh, they go to the hospital and wait in right. lines to see doctors. So there's not many 
like the family doctor office that uh, you know you can just go make an appointment. Is this still the truth today? Well, in theory, everyone has a family doctor. In fact, uh, it could be a surprise for anyone. <laughs> so in practice, mostly people just go to the tertiary hospitals or, or at least the secondary hospitals because they are concerned about the quality of care they receive at the local level. As I said, the, also the, the education system for Chinese doctors are different from the states. Uh, some of these are college-educated, college grads, and they start practice medicine. And some have uh, MD degree, really have gone through, you know, the, uh, the doctor, they have their doctor degree and they've gone through internships. So the quality of the medical skills are different, So, which is why patients tend to go to the major big hospitals. Mm-hmm. So imagine all those people coming to the hospital every day, you know, I would say on the other side, in the hospital every day is full of patients. Some of yes. them just uh, small things like a flu, fever, you know, very right. little cuts. They go to the hospital uh, waiting in lines and uh, see the doctor. That's why every doctor works hard to work overtime and they see 50 patients a day. <laughs> a morning. Actually, a morning. A oh, that's half day. 70, 70 a day, yes. Uh, for, oh, for my gosh. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, wow. it's a bad situation, which is why we are trying to help making this process earlier. One of the data was that the a patient actually spent three consultations to find the right doctor. As with, you know, a family doctor with a referral, you can actually see only, you know, first one, then the family doctor would direct you to the right patients, a right doctor to see next. So it's a lot more efficient with the family doctor system, which is what China is trying to push through. There are a lot of opportunities here. Mm -hmm. A lot of opportunities with this change. Uh, It will change people's habits. But uh, in the meantime, it looks like China's uh, healthcare or the, you know... The system is under strain. (laughs) Yeah, the system will change. Uh Right, right. It's still in the process. Mm -hmm. Right. What's the other thing you are going to say before I interrupted you? (laughs) And uh, I said about the policy changes. And uh, a lot of times in China, it's still all about relationships, you know, building trust. And uh, trust is earned. It's not given. So (laughs) it takes a lot of time to make people recognize you and trust you, and uh, which is very important because uh, all these uh, habits and uh, the practice in for the Chinese patients are developing. Uh, you know, the GDP of China has gone up, and uh, you have patient segment has also changed. It used to be people just throw their medical records on the internet, ask for help. Now uh, we are seeing that if someone's medical record is disclosed, then and they actually the family would sue that doctor, uh, sue that hospital, and get rewarded for this conduct. So when we first came in, we were really cautious, and we put in all the secure, you know, secure methods for managing electronic medical records. People thought, "Well, you're doing too much." But two years on, when we look back, we realized this is we did the right thing because. We 
be we manage the risk from the beginning and we make sure that we are on sound ground, safe ground. Mm-hmm. So right. I, I think for to make sure that you minimize the risk for your collaborator is very important. We want to be mm. a solution provider, don't want to be a troublemaker. Okay. Yeah, be a solution provider, not a troublemaker. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. I think uh, what you mentioned, a couple of things here is very important. I just want to quickly summarize what we discussed today and what I learned from you. And hopefully that will help our audience to get the key suggestions out from you. I learned from you that the China healthcare industry is full of opportunities. It is not very mature yet because it's in the process of continue grow and developing itself. Uh, including insurance you mentioned, and including the family doctor care versus the hospital, all these differences here. We know there's a, a lot of opportunities, but in order to really seize these opportunities, and especially as a foreign citizen, uh, even though Tintin, you and I uh, grew up in China, we think we know China a lot. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we still think, well, even though we are American citizens, we think we are Chinese, right? <laughs> On the other side. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there are lots of differences because the structure and the government policies. So in order to be successful in China, what I learned from you is, especially in the healthcare industry, uh, it's very important to understand the Chinese policy, the government policy, and study the regulation and make sure you follow the rules. Uh, the other thing you mentioned, uh, I think uh, you guys did a great job is uh, you are not just looking at what is today. You anticipated the future, like the risk side, right? Risk management, the data security, all these kind of things. So uh, China is learning from the Western, more developed uh, countries. Today, a lot of things are you know, still moving, uh, very dynamic, but uh, eventually it will build a much more sophisticated system. So right. uh, yeah, knowing the best practices or what we're doing in the Western world is helpful, actually. So very helpful. Ahead. Yeah. Yes. The other thing you mentioned, <laughs> uh, very important, is the relationship side. Uh, that's how Chinese work. So building the trust, build the relationship, and collaborate with local companies or local partners uh, that will help to minimize all the risks. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. It has been great to have you all here listening to us. And we have talked about how to navigate healthcare industry in China. Uh, I want to send a very special thank you to our wonderful guest, uh, Dr. Tingting Zhang. Uh, you can... Find more about Ting Ting's company by going to their website, anticancer365.com, and follow with Ting Ting Zhang through LinkedIn. Thank you. Uh, it's all in Chinese now, but we're translating it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the website is in Chinese. Uh, hopefully, you will have an English one very soon. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. And I hope we will get together again uh, with our audience and uh, we will share more about uh, the different parts of China, help you know more about the China market and the China consumers and the customers. Stay tuned and see you next week. Thank you for tuning into In China with Michelle Zhao. 
Please join us for another edition next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week 